This is Mark Martin, Pro Angler. You're listening to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Welcome to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Each week, I bring the world of hunting, fishing, and conservation to you. From the great hunting and fishing opportunities found in the Americas to the dream safaris located on the dark continent beyond. I'll introduce you to those who are already out in the field living every outdoor enthusiast's dream, as well as outfitters and gear manufacturers that can make those dreams your reality. Kill and Sticks Arrows are for the serious hunter, a company that understands the needs of the outdoorsman and provides five different styles of carbon fiber arrows, ranging from hunting to tournament arrows. If you want premium carbon fiber arrows, go to Killinsticks, K-I-L-L-N-S-T-I-X.com to review their carbon arrows. For listeners of the Outdoor Adventures with Jason show, use promo code OUTDOORS to get 10% off your first order. Kill and Sticks, where the blood trail begins. Welcome to this week's episode of Outdoor Adventures with Jason. You're going to hear an episode that was recorded back during the hurricane that hit uh, Houston. I thought this episode had been lost when I had an equipment issue and luckily found that it had been backed up to my cloud storage and I did not realize it. So this is with Chris Caffrey, who is the guitar player for the band called Sabotage and also Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Enjoy. Welcome to this week's episode of Outdoor Adventures with Jason. This is going to be a really fun episode because we've gone out and gotten a neat guest that you don't associate their name with hunting, and I'm really excited to have him on the show. I've got Chris Caffrey. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Jason. How's things down there? Great. First, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you. Your name is not synonymous with hunting, but I wanted to have you on. For folks that aren't familiar with your name, can you give a, a brief bio on what you do in the off-hunting season? Well, in the off-hunting <laughs> season, I play guitar in the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. It's something I've done for over 20 years. I've also been involved with the band Sabotage for close to 30 years now. And my producer, Paul O'Neill, he um, unfortunately passed away in April. He was my first professional manager. And, and I got involved in the business when I was very young. I was I just was turning 18 and, and worked with Paul my whole life, basically. You know, throughout time, I mean, I always grew up, I grew up um, more fishing with my with my dad than I did hunting. But once I got you know, into my 20s, I had a lot of friends. There was actually one singer in particular that uh, I did some music projects with who lives up in New York State. His name is John West, and he's a very avid hunter and, and in order for me to really to go and stay with them, I would hit the hunting season. So it would be <laughs> May or it would be October, and he'd be like, "Well, we're, you want to get up and go into the woods?" And and you know, I didn't, I hadn't hunted yet, but I just enjoyed the whole experience of being in the woods. And eventually got you know my license in my my early twenties, and and you know, I've been hunting over twenty five years now, and it's just it's a lot of fun for me. I mean, it's relaxing, and I, I through that I think I've learned to respect and appreciate the animal world even more than I did. I mean, I'm an animal lover. I, I own a lot of different animals, but it's just, I also feel that, you know, if you're somebody that can wander into a store and then, you know, eat a turkey, you should be somebody that should be able to go into the woods and experience what it's like to, to take that animal and, and clean it and, and do that yourself. I mean, I, I want to feel like I, I can respect the animal to know that, I, that I'm able I'm able to do that and not just walk in somewhere and hand a $20 bill. I mean, because it's like that, that animal gave a life for me. Sure. Do you rifle hunt, bow hunt, or both? Well, the problem with Trans-Siberian Orchestra is our tour starts 
every year in November, and I'm usually out of my home in New York. If it's not the middle of October, it's the very beginning of November, and the rifle season in New York isn't about until like November 18th, so I'm pretty much not confined to bow. It's really one of my only choices as far as what I have to do as far as New York State goes because I'm gone when the rifle season's around. Every once in a while, if the touring schedule meets up, I can find a day off and try to rent a vehicle and get back <laughs> home. And there was actually one time, uh, so one of the most frustrating hunting stories of my life, I did that. It was around Thanksgiving time. And I got up, and I go to get into uh, get into a tree. And I, I actually think this might have still been bow season. I, I go, and there's somebody in my stand that I didn't know. You know, said. So I kick him out of my stand. He leaves the woods, and then a half hour later, he comes walking back in. The white T-shirt, he forgot his arrows. <laughs> they were at the bottom of the tree. And I was like, you're lucky I'm not putting antlers on you and pretending you're the first deer that's coming through the woods right now. And I couldn't believe it. I rented a vehicle, drove home, went to my hunting spot, into my own stand, which I put up in the tree, and there's a guy, and of course it gets light enough for me to see like the most giant rub on I'd ever seen in my life on a tree right by my stand. So obviously this guy wandered through the woods and saw my stand and saw this and just decided that that was going to be his spot to try to get that deer. But that was uh, it was pretty frustrating. And of course, all I saw was like a tiny little button buck that day, and I wasn't going to shoot him. So it was it was just one of these things where I sat there completely frustrated. Oh, I can understand because anybody that's not familiar just go out to Trans-Siberian Orchestra's website and look at their tour schedule. There isn't really yep. a day off plugged in there very many times. No, and then you're that tired, and you, you're taking what little energy you have, and you want to go run into the woods and somebody's in your stand. So that kind of is one of these things where now I haven't really I haven't really tried to do it much. I think there was only one other, other time. I think I went with my friend John, and we went muzzleloading hunting in uh, December in New York State because that still goes on then, but... Yeah, but I'm mostly bow. I hunt Connecticut, too. My friend's got a property there. There it's fun because you can crossbow, and that, that's always uh, when you have very limited hunting time. It's, it's, all, it's kind of fun to get out to the woods with the crossbow because that, that's an awesome weapon. I mean, that is just um, that's something that doesn't, doesn't leave a whole lot of room for error if, as long as you're able to see and shoot well. It's a, it's a, great, it's a great thing when your hunting time is limited because don't, you don't wound with that unless you really can't shoot. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I use as a crossbow, and I absolutely love it. What kind of bow are you shooting? Well, my my actual bow is a Matthews that um, Chester Moore had actually gotten for me. When uh, I went down to hunt in Texas with him and Eric Adams, a singer from uh, Man of War, and I had a bow that wasn't great at the time, and Chester was like, I can hook you up with the, with the Matthews bow. You just got to do a few things to it, and I had it set, and that's my... It's my regular bow, and, and I'm just using a Parker for my crossbow. It's a good one. I mean, the, the thing shoots 70 yards straight. I mean, I, I don't need it to be any better than that. It's, it, it's awesome. I mean, I remember the first time I'd actually killed something with it. It was a turkey, and they were coming through where my stand was, and this turkey was probably about, I don't know, I'd say maybe 35 yards from my stand, and that bolt went through it clean bounced like another 30 yards and it just left a tiny cross and it was in like the meatiest part of the feather so it 
it was crazy to see it because it, it didn't even ruin, it ruined less meat than like one BB would have with a shotgun. Yeah, it was that clean of a cut. And, and then, you know, the turkey went about a foot and a half. It had about 15 feet of intestines dragged across the ground. And, <laughs> and it, it was, yeah, it, it's just one of these things where it's a, like I said, I don't want to wound things and uh, you, know, you don't have a lot of time. That's just a really, it's a great weapon to use. And, and unfortunately, New York state, they, they legalized it, but not until November 1st. So a lot of times I'm gone, right? Like last year, I flew out the 31st. I flew out Halloween. So the next following day, you could use the crossbow. And I mean, if I really wanted to, I could wander into the woods with the crossbow and shoot something, but I don't, I don't hunt illegally. So it's like, it's just frustrating knowing that the following morning, you could be getting that deer that's at 65, 70 yards of the distance that you're just not able to call in because it's chasing does or something. You know you would have it with your uh, with your crossbow. It gets a little frustrating, but it is what it is. It's a lot of fun anyway, you know, if I get something or I don't. Yeah, it's neat. And it's, it's interesting to watch if you jump out onto YouTube. Just in general, the regular compound bows and the crossbows are getting so good and lethal. They're shooting those arrows so fast that yeah, no, absolutely. With any practice, you see people taking these 60, 70 yard shots. I don't because I'm not comfortable, but the people that put in a lot of time with them can really do some interesting shots on the distances they can put out with those things. Yeah, and you're also seeing YouTube. You're seeing the ones that they kill, too. They're not going to put up True. the ones that they chased around the woods for three hours. So it's, like I said, I, I I don't get a lot of time to hunt, and I don't like wounding things. So I'd rather, you know, I'd rather leave the long shots to um, to uh, somebody who's got the extra time and wants to spend the day and a half running through the woods trying to find something they wounded. It's like, you know, I could you could get it, but there could be a stick you don't see that's five feet from that deer that just, you know, makes that arrow go a little bit off and then you stick it in the top of the leg and then you're chasing the thing around the woods for freaking a day and a half and then you don't find it. You're like, no, I don't want to do that, so. Well, we got to get you down here again with uh, Lou and get Chester and oh, everybody together great. and take crossbows out for hog hunting. No, oh, that'd be awesome. What I mean, it was funny when I went down there. I'd never experienced the hog hunting thing before. And we had like, a, um, it was almost a week long hunting trip set up where we were doing ducks and we were doing hogs and we were doing um a couple other things and we were doing the, the hogs at night with the guns and we were doing hogs and days with the, with the uh regular bows but they put me out here in, in the morning to do the the hog hunt and, and i they dropped me off in a four-wheeler in the middle of this field somewhere by a river and i couldn't walk to back to where we started it was a pretty far drive and they're telling me about these hogs and what they do to people and this and that. And I'd never, I'd never seen one in the wild. So you just, you, know, you get all these ideas in your head. And across the river, there was a tree stand. I'm like, why wouldn't they put me in the tree stand? And I was about 15 yards from the feeder. And then when they blow the feeder call and the feed's running, and I'm looking behind me and there's these giant piles of freaking hog crap. And I'm going, I'm doomed. I'm sitting there <laughs> on the ground going, what am I up against? There was like, I had a tiny little bucket to sit on and uh, nothing came in. I'm actually kind of glad nothing came in. You know, the only thing that came in was a really nice eight point that stood there about 15 yards from me broadside for 20 minutes. And I'm like, okay, you can torture me. You have to torture me because it wasn't deer season, but... Yeah, they're a lot of fun to hunt, and I've got friends that uh, will put bait out and then cover it with rocks, mm -hmm. and then go to sleep in the back of their pickup truck, parked you know thirty yards from the rocks. And as soon as they hear all yeah, those we... knocks being rocked around, they just sit up and start firing. 
Yeah, we did the uh, tripod in the back of the pickup truck hunt one night with the spotlights, and then I was in a ground blind one morning at a place, and, and I'd gotten two in that morning, two of them, and, and they're, uh, they're big. They're big. Well, no, I actually remember because I, I, I hit the one, and I it was pretty close, and, and I didn't see, I saw my arrow go bouncing into the woods. <laughs> I was like, how did I miss that? And I didn't miss it. I, it, it just went straight through it, but I, I was able to watch my arrow go bouncing and then I just saw it run away. But, you know, about 30 yards down the, the quad trail, that's, that's where he wound up lying. But I actually went and looked for my, my arrow frustrated because I was like, I can't believe I just missed that. And then I found it and it was covered with uh, some bu- nice bubbly blood. So I was like, oh, okay. I didn't miss. Oh, cool. So you had a good trip down here. It sounds like. Oh no, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was awesome. It was it was really awesome. I stayed at a, a hunting camp, and you know, it was a nice, really nice hunting camp. And and we ate, had a lot of different wild game dinners, and yeah, it was, it was just a lot of fun. It, it was definitely a fun trip. We did the duck thing, and that was uh, also a lot of fun too. So, tell me about any big hunts. Have you got anything planned that you want to try to tackle, or maybe a trip to to uh, Africa? For your with your bow, yeah, you know what? I haven't really thought about that, and I I don't know if I would be the person that would want to go trophy hunting. I think I'm more of the person that would would rather stay and just do my regular hunting, and you know, keep trying to aim for my biggest buck. And you know, I I'd like to get some of the the different kinds of deer that there are in the country, you know, maybe a caribou or something like that. But as far as the African thing, it's like, I don't, I don't know if I could ever see myself wanting to shoot an elephant or a lion. I definitely not an elephant because I, I'm a, a huge fan of them. I actually donate a lot of money to the elephant sanctuary. And, and it's, I just, um, I don't know if that, that would be my kind of thing. I'd love to go with, you know, like to Canadian wilderness or Alaska or something and do like, you know, a, a day trip of like salmon and, or maybe even like moose or something like that, where I think it would be really, you're just out in the middle of nowhere when you're so remote, there's, no possible cell phone service I mean, because <laughs> as hard as much as you say you're not going to look at your phone i had a stand that i put up in connecticut and it is set to have this deer walk through this opening in the rock wall with the perfect shot to my left 15 yards and i've sat that stand like 10 times and i've seen you know the babies and the moms come through and whatever and not you know a couple small fours and spikes and one morning somebody texts me and I'm in the tree, and I look at my phone, and two seconds later, I look to my left, and there's a giant eight point that wandered through, and I had missed my shot. So it's just one of these things where I like to go somewhere where you don't even have that temptation. Yeah, there's no if there's no service, there's no point in even taking it out of the lodge. Exactly, unless it's just your flashlight and your alarm clock or whatever it is, but... So with you being off more summertime, do you still get a chance to do a lot of fishing? Yeah, there's a lot of great fishing in New York State. I mean, and we have, of course, you know, the the, the springtime is amazing with the trout fishing here. I mean, Roscoe is, um, that's basically where the, the the trout fishing Hall of Fame is up in Roscoe, New York. So there, there's some really great fishing in New York State. I hadn't had a chance really to do any any of the fishing that my friends do out in, in the ocean this year, you know, the going for stripers or anything like that, which this summer I've just been kind of visiting. I also got a baby German shepherd. So I kind of been glued to him and oh, kind yeah. of canceling, canceling a lot of my day trips or, you know, my longer trips for the moment till he's, uh, he's at a point where I can, can get, you know, him and to be able to deal with eight hours on his own. He's still in that puppy stage. And, sure. you know, it's, it's really important. 
it's important to put that time into the dog. So he's kind of getting priority over a lot of my other kind of trips right now. Outside of the hunting, you are known for your culinary work. And one of those things with your years in the kitchen has led you to the development of a line of hot sauce. I'm a partner in a company called High River Sauces. It was started with me and a, a guy named Steve Seabury. And Steve is, he is a record company executive that just has a really great knack for marketing. And he was managing some of my solo music. I, I'd sing and do records as a solo artist. And he was managing some of that. And my friend in Connecticut that I was telling you where I hunt with, he and I would a lot of times make different hot sauces and grow peppers and kind of like trade recipes and, and stuff like that. And we were out at a lunch and I was also meeting Steve that day. And he just, you know, there was something about hot sauce that was pretty heavy metal, you know, and, and he was putting on a tour called um, Metal Alliance or something like that. And he decided to make a hot sauce to give out as like part of the VIP package, you know, and he really kind of got the idea from just seeing me with that hot sauce that day. And then he was like, Hey, you know, we should, we should start a hot sauce company. This would be a lot of fun. And he developed the sauce and I developed my first one called tears of the sun. And he had one called hellacious hot sauce. And we started this company and started going to these conventions and we won a lot of national and world championships with our stuff. And now, you know, the sauce line has about eight different sauces in it. And, People like Chris Santos, he's a celebrity chef. He has a barbecue sauce that's through our line. And, and, and Steve, now in High River, we present five different hot sauce expos across the country. There's, there's one in Phoenix, there's one in California, there's one in New York, and uh, there's one in Oregon. And then we have another festival in New Jersey. So it, it's just the company is spreading. We're, we're, we got our first major grocery store distribution in, in New York State through a company called Price Chopper, and, and we're, we're just starting to spread out. And, and it's really exciting to watch it happen. And like I said, it, it's a lot of the hard work that Steve puts in you know, through his experience as a, as a record company marketing person. He just uses that to uh to work with this and it's really exciting to watch him make things happen he's 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 got a real knack for that you know me i i like the creative side of it because it's you know it's a lot like making music the critics are really harsh on what you do but it's a lot of fun so with your hot sauces is it like high river sauces something that people can order through the website yeah, highriversauces.com has all the sauces from our company. There's also a company called peppers.com that uh, people want to check out. It has, has a lot of different hot sauce companies from all around the world. They're like the biggest um, hot sauce distributor. There's a guy in the Carolinas. His name is Ed Curry, and he owns a company called Puckerbutt Pepper Company, and he grows thousands of acres of peppers, and, and he actually developed and uh, genetically made the, the world's hottest pepper, the Carolina Reaper pepper, is his invention. And he does a lot of work with our company, and, and he's actually going to help me distribute a, uh, a sauce I'm doing for Halloween that's based on some of his whiter ghost peppers. Oh. It's uh, it's just a lot of fun. It's a, it's a really close business once you get inside of it. And you know, our company kind of came along and, and just really climbed up the ladder as far as you know being really prominent on the independent side. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like anything else. The, uh, it, it takes a lot of work, and, and in the beginning, you can't expect a lot of, a lot of profits to happen. But, you know, we're, we're starting to, um, to really make some noise, and, and hopefully one day it'll get to the point where, you know, your sauces just wind up in all the stores and people get used to them, like, like a Tabasco or a Sriracha, where they become a staple in, in what they like to have in their houses. That's, that would be the ultimate thing for us, because then, you know, that, 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 uh, can be one of those things that could take care of you when you get older. 
Yeah, it's, I actually went to the uh, McElhaney plant a couple of years ago to just as a tourist, and that was really interesting to see how they do all that Tabasco stuff. So, Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, they do, they do a couple million bottles of that a day, and that's, you know, kudos to them. That's a lot of a problem with being a smaller company because they work at such a massively high volume that they're able to sell to the grocery stores at such a cheap price. You know, and we the, the grocery stores are like, well, we can buy your sauces for this, and and that's sometimes that price is you know less than what we actually paid to make them. So it's it's like I said, I love I love Tabasco and the company and those other ones, but they definitely have an advantage when it comes to that because when you're making a couple million bottles of something, you know, a week, you're able to uh, oh, you're yeah. able to produce something for fifty cents. <laughs> that happens. Yeah, it brings your production costs way down where you have a more niche product. So, But there, there's a huge market for that because I used to live in Phoenix, and I don't know if it's still there. I, I doubt it, but the mall um, in Scottsdale had a store that was nothing but hot sauces. Yeah, there's a, um, a lot of them, and that's, that's name of that store is Peppers, and it's those people that run that catalog out of those stores. Yeah, they're every, they're everywhere. There's some in airports. I'll see them. There's, I know there was one in, um, in the mall. It was either in... Um, it was Ottawa or Toronto that I'd run and see him. You know, and it's, it's just it's something that's fun. People like it. I mean, it's, oh yeah, I know it's trendy. It's trendy, but it's not going anywhere. It's like it's actually surprising people because they thought the spicy food thing would have been more of a fad. It's not. It's actually expanding. So no, I think people are picking and up comes, and liking it. Comes it. From, yeah, it comes from that. That you know the the fact that you can have so many different degrees of it and so many different flavors of it. I mean, you can make a hot sauce taste like anything and. You know, it, it's fun for people to create. It's not a, a it's not a difficult thing to make, but it's a difficult thing to have something that's unique, and that's what we try to do with our company is to have unique flavors. There's a perfect compliment for any wild hog would be any of that hot sauce. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I have one called Grapes to Wrath that I made with some seasonal kind of Thanksgiving like spices. It's made from uh, from grapes and wine and and uh, some pickled red cabbage with like pumpkin pie spices and and pineapple and, and it's uh it's something that's great on your your white meats and uh, you know wild turkey or wild hog is that that's tailor-made for that one and that grapes of wrath is available all the time yeah that's we have it it usually is released the seasonal but i do believe there's is it's online now in peppers.com and through our site Oh, fantastic. So I'll have that listed out there as well on the show notes yep. for this. So that's awesome. so now apparently it's really big. You like whitetail hunting and you've got some great fishing up there. Do you fly fish or is it whichever way you want to do? Well, you know what? I never was really taught to fly fish, so it wasn't what I'd done. I mean, I'd like to learn it and I watch it and I'm but, but I've never I've never fly fished. Every time I've gone trout fishing, it's kind of been with my friends that we just like to, to, um, there's a lot of smaller little rivers and, and streams that we know of. And we just will do the, um, the moving where you just go from pool to pool and these, you know, these trout will hide in the, you know, it could be a, a little five foot pool when you go through these. And it's, it's a lot of fun with that. You know, it's like cause my, a couple of my friends that are really avid, trout fishing people they don't like to keep them they just like to catch and release them so we'll go and you know we'll get the lures and the barbs will be bent and we'll just go and and wander through and see where we could find them but there's like i said up in roscoe new york there's some rivers up that way where you go in the springtime and you'll see you'll see all these guys out there and i've never fly i've never done it but i really would like to i mean it looks like it's a lot of fun i've just never done it now are you closer to new york city 
I'm I'm only 60 miles from the city, but it's very it's very rural up here. It's like as far as what I have around me. I mean, my my hunting land that I can walk out my door to 1,250 acres. That's oh, right, wow. basically out my door. So I have a I have a really nice spot to hunt. I have some really nice stands, and it's funny because if you put them in the everybody goes got to put them in the thickest stuff in the middle of nowhere in the woods, and it's like all right, and you go put them there. And I have this one stand that's only about a half mile from my house, and that's the one I'll sit in, and I'll see seven, eight bucks, and I'll be like this, you know, no matter how much they tell me to go to this one in the middle, and, like, for some reason, I like to go by this other stand. If it's only a half mile from my house, and I can wake up and just open my eyes and get some coffee and climb in the tree, <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> Freaking Trojan app you know, two miles into the woods to find my stand in the pitch black and sit up there and, you know, watch some does walk through. Like, I know who this is worth the bucks go. Well, and it's easier to get them out, too, if you shoot one. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God, yes. That's so, another thing as you get older. You used to, you know, when you first started hunting, it's like you had the energy and you're, like, excited and you want to drag the deer. And now it's like, I mean, we have four wheelers, but some of these spots you can't get to. But, yeah, the the uh, easier drag is always a lot of a lot more fun to deal with at eight thirty in the morning. You have whitetail and turkey, and is there any other items that you hunt up in that area? Are, are big on small there's, game. Um, we have the Canadian Canadian geese this year, but there's um, a lot of as you go up more upstate towards where the Louis lives, or up where my friend John West is. There's a lot of really good goose hunting up there. I mean, down here you've got a flock or two, and you have your local flocks, and you, know, you sit there and and you, if you're lucky, you might be able to limit it, but most mostly you'll just like get the one flock that comes in, or you get some ones that are flying by. But up there, it's where you get. I mean, I've had mornings where we've limited out, and we're going to collect our geese, and there's flocks of geese landing around us. It's like it's really insane how good the the goose hunting is. And I'm way upstate New York, and that's Cortland County up there. It's incredible. A lot of small game down here, but unfortunately, there's a lot of building going on, and they're pushing the coyotes out of their den. When the coyotes are getting a lot of the uh, the rabbits in our pheasant population, it's like unless it's stocked, it's gone. Oh, really? You know, so it's yeah. We don't. We used to have it. You know, up up where uh, Corton County, like I said, up there, you'll you'll find some that might be in the wild. You can run into a grouse here and there, but. You know, down here, I know when I first moved up to, into here, I would see the pheasants cross the street all the time. But there's, I haven't seen a pheasant running wild up here in probably 25 years. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. I grew up in Michigan, and same thing. There was so many pheasants. And then when the farming changed and a lot more of those fence rows were taken out, it just, the population seemed to crash. And it just, it's come back a little, but not anything like it was. Yeah, no, it's definitely it's so much change. Well, I guess in the the bulk and the um, the coyote population, which is something we really, really, my friends try to police as much as we can. But they actually have organized hunts of that now because it it takes a toll. It takes a toll on the on the deer population too. I mean, they find these dens and they, you know they'll find hundreds of uh, of fawn skeletons in those coyote dens. I mean, they're just they take a toll on our on our deer population. Yeah, they're very efficient. Have you crossed, if you're close, if you're only 60-ish miles or so from the city, have you thought about or put in for an application to go black bear hunting in New Jersey? 
I consider it, but then again, it's like I'm also one of those people where I've been in the woods and I've seen the bears. And two things: number one, I don't love bear meat. I really, I, I just there's something that's really rich and weird about it to me. I've had the bear meatball. I've done it every way. Everybody says they love it, and it's just not one of my favorite meats. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather have a friend that has an extra dough tag and fill it if I need more meat. And I actually kind of, unless they're not a nuisance to me, I know they are some other people, but I think there's people that would enjoy killing a bear more than me. Like I said, there's some animals that I actually like. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm like one of those people that's weird. It's like, I... I enjoy the hunting, but I also, like I said, I'm not one of those people that goes out there and go, all right, I have to kill something. I know friends that aren't happy unless they've left the woods killing something, and that's <laughs> not me. It's like, you know, I'm okay if I leave the woods and something's not dead. <laughs> it's all right. It's like there'll be somebody else that will do it, and I, I still had my, my day in the woods, and I'm fine with that. It's like it doesn't the whole mean experience. I'm, I'm not any. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make me any less capable of under somebody, and it's like if I ever needed to kill something i would but if i don't need to and um you know a lot of times it's it's also in the um convenience factor too i mean if it's one day before i gotta leave for a tour and he'd sit there and go oh, i'm gonna shoot this bear it's like what the hell am i gonna do with a whole entire bear full of meat <laughs> one day before i leave to go on a three-month tour it's kind of hard to, to do that so you just i've done a lot draw the bow back watch things walk through and bless them and say you were <laughs> you were very dead you were very dead if i wanted you to be that's hard in your case and I, what are you going to do take it pack it all up on a tour bus and hand out bear meat to everybody so and if it's not yeah. something that you like the taste of i can certainly understand there's there's guys i just knew there's with new jersey having some bear issues that was like literally right in your backyard yeah, but I think that's a lot of reason why I don't like the taste too, because those a lot of those Jersey bears are eating garbage, you know. So oh, okay. they're they're gonna taste they're gonna taste like what they're eating too. So I mean, they're they're killing them a lot of them just because they're like I said they are a nuisance. But if they're feeding out of people's garbage cans, you know what it's like. You know, if, if a deer definitely will have better, cleaner tasting meat depending on what its diet is, and and it's um going to be very evident with something like a bear that will, you know, a lot of times just about eat anything, you know, it's, right. it's, um, it's a big difference. So I think that's what might be the thing while I eat it sometimes. And I could just feel, I don't know, it's weird. You know, you get some of the wild game meat is so pure that you, I feel it react differently in my blood than I would eating meat from a store because meat from a store is so processed. Sometimes you don't really get the energy you feel the, the rush out of it. But, you know, if we go and I kill a turkey and then, and two hours later, I'm growing it. You eat that meat. You can, it's like weird. You, you feel that something happened to your adrenaline through that meat. And I think that's what has happened with eating that bear meat. I felt something and I didn't like it. You know, it was beyond the taste. It just didn't feel like it was something I should be eating. You know, it was one time I was in Europe and there was a caterer and I didn't know, but I was eating horse. And it just was making me feel weird. And I was like, what is this meat? And when I found out, I was like, oh, it's probably because I shouldn't be eating it. <laughs> it's like, Yeah, I, I uh, tried horse one time and it was, uh, I, I think it's because we view them in such a different light that just the thought of eating them, they're, they're people's pets, is, is a big hurdle to overcome. Yeah, I'd have to be, I'd have to be pretty pretty freaking starving before i consciously ate horses you know i i, I owned a few of them and, and i still own part of a racehorse and it's like i i yeah it would have to be i'd have to be pretty starving before i would go oh, you know i'm gonna 
eat horse today. So you've got the whitetail, you've got the turkey, which are two of the items. Uh, maybe as your tour schedules change in the future, you'll look at mule deer, blacktail, and elk, you know, some of these different different animals. Do, do any of those sound like things that you're wanting to, to eventually chase after? Yeah, the mule deer and, and elk, for sure. For sure, the, the, the elk hunt, I think, would be really, you know, and I'd like, like I said, go somewhere that's really remote. I don't want to go anywhere that's too controlled. I'd like to, you know, get out with the people who know the terrain and be somewhere that, that uh, you know, it's like I do it here, you know, just through experience and not something that's more like gated and controlled and like you're guaranteed to kill. It's like that's uh, that's the type of hunting that, I mean, it, it's fun to do, but I, I'd rather go fishing. You know, it's like if I, I want to go out on a hunt where somebody's taking, all right, you know, it's like into the woods and then it's, it's you against the woods, not knowing there's no fence around it. So Yeah, everything, there, there's all different areas, and that's the great thing about hunting is you can go to a Wyoming and not see a fence for 20 miles. Exactly. If you're trying to do a different type of hunting, many people are aware that here in Texas, a lot of it's fenced. Could be 100 acres, could be 15,000 acres. Everything is in an interesting gambit, and it makes it neat that we can all get out there and, and just enjoy it. And as you said, you may not shoot anything that day, but you may see that big buck and just say, ah, today's your lucky day. Maybe next week yeah. I'm not so charitable. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, this was a pleasure, Chris. Uh, it was great to catch up with you because, again, while people are familiar with you through your music, your your uh, independent, your, you know, your records that you put out, the records that you've done with Sabotage, and the touring and albums you've done with uh, Trans Siberian Orchestra, a lot of times to find out that that person that you see or listen to is also a hunter is really a neat thing. So I appreciate the time you've, uh, you've given me and uh, given the listeners to catch up with what your experiences are and what you like to do. Oh, no, absolutely. It's, it's always a lot of fun to talk about it. Like I said, I, and you know, I, I run into people that, uh, that have their opinions on, on hunting and, and, you know, I, I believe if anybody, like I said, if anybody is able to, um, if you're able to eat an animal, you should be able to, to be somebody that can, can go and, 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 and take that life too. And that's something I, I like to respect the animal world. And, and I really love what, what, what the hunters and fishermen do as far as their, their money and their efforts towards conservation. And, and, you know, without us, I think that the, the animals would be a lot worse off. And that's the one thing that the so-called animal lovers don't understand, you know, that, that, um, Without the hunters and fishermen taking care of their woods and their wildlife, the wildlife would be a lot more unhealthy and a lot worse off. So um, I hope that uh, it continues and that, you know, the, the generations continue to pass it on because I just worry, you know, nowadays when I see these kids so wrapped around their cell phones, I worry that about, you know, that whole spirit of the wild, as Ted Nugent says, being placed into the next generations. Yeah, getting every kid outside to at least experience it, to at least understand yep, exactly. it. Take a hunter safety class. Uh, the I tell this to everybody. The best thing you can do for wildlife, even if you don't like hunting, is buy a hunting license. Yep. You don't have to use exactly. it. Exactly. But that 50 to to $100 you gave, man, that, that'll do more good than sitting there on Facebook and pounding out a I don't like hunters message. Yeah, exactly. One, one million percent. And if they knew what, what these organizations like PETA actually did with their money, it doesn't really have a whole lot to do with helping animals. Their money is euthanized a lot more animals than it has 
actually save their lives. And they look at their giant, you know, 10 story office building that they have with 500 employees that have absolutely no responsibilities other than collecting money to pay themselves. You tell me what kind of, what kind of care they have for animals. They don't. So, you know, it's like you said, the, the hunting license and, and like I said, hunters and fishermen, it's like, we, we're the ones that help. Yep. The money on the ground, the, the boots on the ground. Well, Chris, this yep, has been exactly. awesome. I wish you good luck. Cause you should be starting to prep for a tour coming up here in another month or so. And exactly. Uh, so you're going to have a real busy time. Uh, maybe we can catch up yeah, with no, you next spring. Up. Absolutely, yeah. TSO's got about 110 shows going in two months. So if you, anybody runs into it and sees it on the road, it's the best rock and roll show you could possibly see anywhere. It's it's amazing. So I'll tell you we what, look forward to uh, two or three yeah, times sorry. that I've seen the TSO show. Two of them were the same show, you know, done year after year, and it doesn't matter. It you see it's <laughs> such an amazing display of just. The musicians are top notch. You guys are all amazing musicians. The music is great. The story is great. And I was able to catch TSO transition to their new show. Was it last year? Mm -hmm. That whole new setup with those massive screens. And you go in there every year and just like, holy cow, this is unreal. So head out to TSO. They go everywhere. You guys travel everywhere. So there's not an area that somebody's probably not within two or three hours of seeing a trans-siberian orchestra show yeah exactly i mean it's a little hard to get um to too many places because of the limited time between you know halloween and christmas you know, and new year's which is when we usually do this winter tour so we do as many as we can yeah it's it's fantastic show I just can't say enough about that uh chris i thank you for your time you have a well, wonderful thank you again. day you too it was a lot of fun and uh, everybody you know down in texas is there dealing with the storm our thoughts are with you definitely up here in new york thanks yeah you can certainly appreciate that after going through sandy oh my god yeah well, we went through sandy and and that was really bad and we had hurricane irene that 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 really flooded out my house and my town and we had the tropical storm lee that hit the week after San after irene and that reflooded us 10 days later it wasn't the same as like these people at least you know that we had a chance to dry out and regroup before Lee hit and Lee hit us for five days straight, but it wasn't torrential for five days. You know, it was wow. probably 10 inches over five days and we were kind of able to deal with it. And the, the last bands were really bad, but I can't imagine what it would like to get four feet. I appreciate so your time, Chris. Up, I, I think it's heading to the Northeast. So let's just hope it loses its attitude problem. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. You, you guys are going to get wet, but you're not going to get nailed, which is uh uh, that's normally as it takes off up there. So, you know, just stay dry. Enjoy that puppy. Absolutely. I hope you have a great tour. It's It's been, a, again, a pleasure catching up with you. You too. Thank you again. Thanks. Right. Bye-bye. Come early spring, it's getting green Fisher on the bed and Hear those turkeys gobble It's ringing in my head The winter rides bass boat Here comes another year Yeah, we command the outdoors around here Oh, we command the outdoors 
Yeah, we command the outdoors. Come summertime, we're feeling fine, fishing on the lake, flipping jigs in Carolina rigs. From early morning till real late. Bonfires on Creek Bank, kick back a couple beers. Yeah, we command the outdoors around here. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Next year's does until you know winter's on the way. Brushing blinds and deer stands The fever starts to creep Fill our freezers full of ducks Lots of tender deer Yeah, we command the outdoors around here Yeah, we command the outdoors Yeah, we So grab your guns and shells, boys Put on your camouflage Cause we command the outdoors around here